to begin. We are North Americans. And for those of you who still think we're from England, we're not. No. We put our plates and our trades till we think we might die. Far from North America, where the buildings are old and you might have lots of mimes. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Scoop Phase. I'm David. And I'm Zach. And we actually have a special guest this week. We have a very special guest. Uh, Maybe you've heard of Mr. Him. Tom Cruise. Speak up. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's not even a good joke. Uh, uh, we have Caleb Durward here today. Uh, so how's it going, Caleb? Hey, it's going all right. Uh, he is, if you don't know who Caleb Durward is, crawl out of the rock you've been under. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, he's been uh, rocking the Star City scene. Uh, you've actually done pretty decently at like pro level events haven't you uh pro level events um depends on how you define them i've only played in one pro tour and i'm going to be playing my second one in honolulu so i mostly make a living off of cash games like the star city Games circuit have you uh yeah. have you ever dated grand prix oh yeah definitely i uh i made my mark by my first mark by top eighting grand prix columbus with blue green madness actually um, and since then, I've uh, I've made I've made some decent money in Grand Prix. Uh, day two at Atlanta, cashed there, um, cashed Kansas City this year, or not this, yeah, yeah, this year, um, and a few others. They've been they've been profitable for me, but I haven't had a top eight since that first in Grand Prix Columbus. Yeah, I, I remembered something about a top eight Grand Prix. I just couldn't remember which one. So uh, let's just hop right into it. Uh, when did you just when did you start playing Magic? I started when I was pretty young. I think I was like uh, nine or ten. I know it was elementary school. And how old are you now? Uh, I'm 23, so 13, 14 years. Wow. So you've been. What was the first set you played with? Um, I don't even remember. I just remember buying a pack, and my first rare was Pox, and I read it like 50 billion times, and I read through the course set. I read through like the little rule book pamphlet that came with it, and I I had no clue what it did. I need a calculator for this. Shit, what's one third of seven? Shit. Yeah, exactly. Round it up. Round it up. Fox uh, <laughs> is a very confusing card uh, to new well, players. Well, for an elementary schooler who's yeah, yeah. never played the game before. <laughs> like, You're like, <laughs> one slash three. Okay, novel. Is this, they take one or three damage? What? I don't even know. <laughs> I think you put one threes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. And then no, you sacrifice it. No. Put one threes out <laughs> equal to their life total. Broken. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't start playing in tournaments um, until like onslaught, and then uh, really got into like the G- JSS scene um, in Mirrodin. Did you uh, win any JSS stuff? I, I did not. I was pretty bad. <laughs> I wish I was around during JSS. For uh, I have no clue. What for that the newer is. players, JSS was the Junior Super Series, and oh, okay. it, it was like the Junior Star City Games kind of. And there was actually scholarships too. Yeah, you could win, like, thousands of dollars in scholarships. I think that made it a lot easier for my mom to support me playing the game when I was little and, like, traveling to play the game. Was She was like, scholarships, well, that's a good thing. And so it was just, like, a very simple, like, scholarship equals good, magic could be scholarship, magic equals good equation going on in her brain. <laughs> right. That, that, that's well the, that's the line you sold her either way, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, see, that's the weird thing is, like, I don't know if it's the same way around the around the nation as it is in, in Alabama, but uh, at my school, we were always, like, scolded for playing Magic during school. And, like, even, like, when we're not in class, just in the halls playing Magic, oh, you you shouldn't have that here. Yeah. But then you turn around and you have Magic giving scholarships at the same time. I wouldn't time, be caught dead so. with Magic cards at school. Just got here a lot. Oh, I got picked on all the time. Uh, <laughs> the worst uh, is I, playing chess during PE and getting basketball thrown at you. That's uh, kind of weird. Our school was actually pretty open to it. Like, we just had a, a Magic table during the lunchtime where all the Magic players went and played. And, like, most of the people, in, in high school anyway, were also on the, the varsity football team. It was interesting. Sure. I don't think that dynamic usually is happens, but right, that's wild. Have, like have the have jocks and the geeks mixing after, like that. Have have the plays named after magic cards because nobody on the other team would know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. <laughs> uh, All right, terror, terror, <laughs> dark ritual, dark ritual. <laughs> All right, I need a dark ritual twenty four. <laughs> Anyways, a dark ritual twenty four. Yep, I think I've seen that form. Yep. As a uh, rule thirty four a couple weeks back. Alright. Uh so obviously you started playing Magic back when there was no such thing as called Legacy. It was play with your cards and but when they eventually did you know, I say segregate, but like establish establish like the different uh formats. Formats, thank you. Uh when did you did you pick up Legacy immediately or was it just something that you played out of necessity, or I think uh, when I when I first started playing competitive Magic, Legacy was already a format, and I didn't have much interest in it. I had a few friends that were interested in Type One, and we would like proxy up decks, and like they'd be half proxy to half not, and whatnot. Um, but we didn't actually play Legacy as a format. When when I first got into it, it was when the ban and restricted list shifted away from uh, from vintages, and so. Uh, uh, a lot of my friends that were into vintage were like, this is huge. This is a huge opportunity. Right now you can play, like, Black Lotus in Legacy as a four of, because um, uh, that's basically what Lion's Eye Diamond was to them. And so uh, so that's what I started playing. Like, I started jamming Belcher, and I eventually had, like, multiple Legacy decks. And I, I just uh, um, jammed the format really hard from the beginning. It's kind of like a, a deck builder's paradise like, all of these new cards were suddenly legal as four ofs. You could do whatever you want. And people were. People were doing all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, gamekeeper combo to someone, like, a standard player today. They're just like, a what? What's a gamekeeper? Like, yeah. but, uh, yeah. four yeah. mana tutus. That was where it was at. Four mana tutus. <laughs> but Legacy's still like that today because there's cards being rediscovered constantly. Like, I'm pretty sure half the people that are listening to this right now have no clue what Skeletal Scrying even does. I have no clue what it does. Exactly. It's an X-Spell Sign of Blood, or Night's Whisper, whichever one you want to use. Okay. It's it's a one-time Necropotence in in, uh, in Green Black. That's brutal. And it's an instant. Which X draw, X cards. Oh, and it's instant? That seems brutal. Yeah, I've broken standstills with it, like... I'll draw six cards at your end of turn. Like, you can draw three. Oh, you have to discard? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Untap, immune cabal therapy, you. Resolve oh. Thrun, go. But, uh, yeah, Resolve Thrun in Legacy right now is pretty much scoop them up. So, uh, yeah, 
there are some creatures that can block it pretty effectively, like a 5-6 five, five, Tarmogoyf. Um, I used to run Recurring Nightmare and Spike, uh, Spike Weaver in the deck, the one that fogs. But, like, the only good thing that Spike Weaver ever did for me was, like, pump my thrun so that I could attack through a Tarmogoyf. So that got <laughs> cut pretty fast. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the best play ever. But, um... <laughs> Eight mana, my throne gets plus two, plus two. Like, with, <laughs> with this, um, get there. With this green black explorer deck you've been running at the Invitational, which you came in fifth, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was top seed after the Swiss, but in the top eight, I had to play uh, against Solar Flare, which was a bad matchup for me. Right. So, um, since you run the green black deck now, what is your actual like favorite deck of all time? Um. I don't think I could pick a favorite. I've got a lot of favorite decks, or a lot of decks that are just, like, a blast to play. And if I overplay them, then they become not fun to play. So, yeah. Uh, well, all right, let's, let's change change that around then. What what deck did you have the most success with? Would that be the Madness deck, or...? Um, as far as, like, people knowing me, uh, like, my, my brand, or however you want to call it. My, sure. Uh, my notoriety. Madness for sure. People really loved that deck, and when it came out, when, after I top aided the tournament with it, there was so much hype that I realized I could sell a tournament report to basically any site out there. So I went to China Fireball first, and um, and they've been pretty good to me ever since. Uh, recently, the the Pure Steel Paladin deck um, in in standard was super good to me. I top aided the TCG Player Championship. I top forward the uh, Midwest Master Series Championship, and we all chopped that and got two grand. And then uh, uh, I top aided the Star City 5K. It seemed like basically any tournament I played in the thing, I was top aiding. Right. That must be nice. I always, I always love watching um, the uh, streams and watching Caleb play. He, I love. He's, he's great at analyzing the situation. That's so. When I see him play a deck that has many like. You know, like decisions. decisions in it. I'm just like amazed sometimes when he'll just pull something. Like, I can't. I, I wouldn't have done that. I, I like. I'm I like. I would have never done that. Like, like what's throwing the game? What? Oh, okay, and you're never like watching Caleb. Like, what the? He just bait, punted the whole game. I've never seen him punt a game. I've seen him lose a game just in the war of attrition. Right. But I've never seen him just absolutely outright punt a game, and that's why I really enjoy yeah, watching. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably one of the the tightest players, which that sounds awful. That doesn't sound like, awful. I mean, like everyone dirty, knows what you're talking about when dirty, you say tight, dirty. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call myself one of the tightest players. Um, and not even on the Star City circuit. I think uh, AJ and Jerry Thompson are both tighter than me. And if I ever do better in a tournament than them, it's because. Uh, I brought a better deck to the table, or I um, catch better breaks with the pairings. Like, um, I think I I would I would agree that I'm tighter than most people uh, uh, playing. Yeah, I mean, when you watch Jerry and you watch AJ, there's also this. I guess when you're sitting down across from them, if you don't play a lot of Magic, you're instantly going to be intimidated. Yeah, and you're going to be like, oh shit, because. Your buddy actually has one of two reactions I've I've come to realize. <laughs> you played against him. I played I've, I've played against Drew Levin. I've played against uh, Christopher Anderson. I've I've play tested with Todd all the time because me and him are good buddies. Like when you sit down against them, you either a you get really intimidated or you you're like, hey, I I'm gonna have a chance to actually kind of prove myself a little bit. And then when you actually win, 
You're like, yeah, I don't even care what the rest of the day has. I just beat Drew Levin. <laughs> With a freaking worm coal engine and legacy. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> Get there. Um, but yeah, that's just, I mean, you basically been playing Magic since they were printing cards, so that was, uh, that's that's pretty wild, man, that uh, it took you so long to actually realize how good of a play you were and just step into the, hey, I'm going to start crushing tournaments, because uh, when I see of, you've been crushing a lot location. of uh, Sorry to interrupt. Part of that was location. Like, I grew up in northern Wisconsin, like, right on Lake Superior, and the nearest shop was, like, two hours away. Ugh. So, like, um, I never really had major tournaments to go to. Like, I could maybe travel to one GP a year or one PTQ a year, if that. And then there was college right after high school. And so when I finally got out of that, like, I realized I was a pretty good player because I'd been playing online um, quite a bit during that. But, uh... Uh, I, 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 but yeah, I didn't break out until I actually got to start playing in live tournaments. And there wasn't really any moto back then either. Like no, like I, I didn't really play moto. moto. I played on uh, O Gaming for a while, and then that um, Apprentice. Oh, that was <laughs> and then uh, and then switched over to Magic League after O Gaming tanked. Oh, so you're a Magic Leaguer? Yeah, I, yeah. I've Magic Leagued a few times. Uh, it pisses you off. Because workstation <laughs> has a randomizer, as is as does the uh, moto, which I I don't like digital uh, shufflers for some reason. I, do, I I I like touching the cards. I really can't get into the. It, it, uh, it gives me an excuse, and I'm one that likes to use excuses. So when it's just there, I'm like, I blame the shuffler. <laughs> I blame the shuffler. That's what it was. Speaking of excuses, there's no the excuse for Burton Cini. <laughs> and what do you guys think about? Him getting his money taken away from him. I'll let Caleb answer this first. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Alex is a friend. Um, he, I thought he was good for the game at the at the time that all of this these allegations were being brought up. Like every time I go to a 5K event, Alex like would always lend me a legacy deck. I would watch him give out legacy decks to people that he, like, barely knew, you know? Yeah, he's just really people nice that messaged him on Facebook. Like, he'd be lending out thousands and thousands of dollars at every tournament. Um, so when you compare him to someone like Posgate, who's, like, taking thousands of thousands of dollars at every tournament, well, and then there's also allegations of cheating against him, um, it's easier for me to be, like, sympathetic towards Alex. And then there were also, like, um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. Like, like uh, I'm going to be pretty biased either way. I think the the main issue with taking away his prize is that uh they advertised a 50k um and then they were giving out 40k in prizes if they decide to to take away his prize like essentially DQ him without prize. Um on the other hand like once they've made the decision that they can't pay him because like uh the mob doesn't want him to get paid uh it's uh it's awkward to decide what to do with the money because it's not like the rest of us in the tournament um, deserved it, you know. Right. Uh, but like the players in general deserved it. So like, it going to needy kids at Christmas time is is probably fine. Yeah, I don't think they they didn't even know that they stripped the money. They uh. Yeah, I read it on Twitter the other day. I was like, they, what the fuck? See what what they did was they set up a new rule which re- which retroactively affected the Burton Genie situation. Is if you were in a non vote or if you are uh banned for stripped of money for anything, that money is donated to a certain charity. Okay. 
So well, it would be kind of, it would be kind of, like I see what Caleb just said. He said they they are giving it to uh, kids for Christmas, whatever. It would be kind of shitty if they just took that and didn't say, okay, the top eight that we haven't paid yet. We're just going to distribute that $10,000 out right. equally to that. that. That was a very viable thing they could have done, too. They could have done that. I mean, the, I mean, no one in the argue. fucking world would have been mad about that. Right. I'm, I'm not mad that they're giving them to needy children, either. It's oh. just that... It's sure, a, but did, did you also, like, uh, travel, like, um, do the time investment to prepare for a 50K and then, like... Um, pay for your travel expenses to go to what you assumed was a 50k, only to have like 40k be paid out. Like that's that's that to me that was where the the ethical issue um, right. came up. Yeah, we. Sh- I think the what I just said. But, uh, if they would uh, distribute that, his winnings out through at the top eight or top nine places, just bump him down. Whoever was second, now they're first. Whatever, or he's first with an asterisk. I mean, you just distribute the payout, and no one can say anything. Uh, that, well, they, they they did something similar to that. They gave Adam Prozac the the win. They were like, well, since he's not in the uh, since Alex is no longer in the tournament, uh, Adam Prozac is now the winner. But we're not paying him extra. Right. Uh, and, and something similar happened with Jerry Thompson. Like, no, and now Alex is no longer the player of the year, but and Jerry Thompson is, but Jerry Thompson isn't awarded the the power nine. Not, right. not that the power nine really matters in that sense because uh, Alex and Jerry had an even split with each other, so uh, arguing about that is a little pointless. But yeah. with Adam Prozac, and he, um, I think him and myself were like the most to gain um, from the top eight, and he seemed very fine with it being donated to charity. He didn't think he had any claim on that money. I didn't think uh, either of us had like a claim on my either i was mostly worried about like everybody playing in the tournament and whether they had like collective claim on the money because they tried to play 50k um but but all things considered uh the end result is not uh, a bad thing i don't think although uh it had i been running the tournament i probably would have paid alex's money since he wasn't caught cheating in this event right they actually had uh specific judges placed on him during the invitational i was judging the standard portion and I, I overheard some things about uh, special tasks and stuff like that. They pretty much had a plainclothes judge uh, following him around, kind of, and uh, just watching him, which I'm completely fine with. But uh, sure. I, I know I'm pretty sure Star City's really happy you're spoiling out their secret there. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Good hands up. Because there's not judges hey, in plainclothes uh, playing in the tournaments either, you know. There's no level ones playing. In I know. I'm tournaments. just giving you shit. Calm but, down. But another another, another <laughs> problem. Guy. Another problem. The the stripping the money calls is a a bigger problem for Alex too. Is that if they would have just split it amongst the top eight, uh, see he's wanting to sue Star City now for the ten thousand because it was a retroactively retroactive thing. It and was. Making, it, 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 they did this on purpose, I think, because now. They they know that Alex is going to come after them for the money. Well, they just gave it to charity. Now he looks like a bad guy for wanting his money back from these starving kids. It's like, no, they yeah, don't, I don't. This is my money. Well, it is a company, right? And a company did promise the winner of a tournament, and he was legal to play by the DCI in that tournament. I, I agree. And That's he won not, that tournament. I, I'm not arguing they that. They even had it's a plainclothes judge. His case seems on paper stronger, and you can't take away money off of merit. 
Right. You have to take it off of facts. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend Alex Bertoncini for cheating. Like, I still want him on the show. And I'm not going to sit there and defend Star City Games for taking their money away. It's just, they may, they, Star City is smart. No, they're they're not smart because they're answering, they're they're given to the whims of the mob. Wouldn't you agree, Caleb? Um, I mean, I think that's good business sense to, like, uh... I mean to to please your player base like that's how they that's how they make money as a business, right? Well, I don't know. It's uh, it's a very complicated situation. Very uh, he, he's banned for a year and a half now. But uh, speaking it's, of bannings, it's, uh, you mentioned a, a legal case. I don't think Alex like he was talking about getting a lawyer and stuff. But I think most he, of the people that have advised him that actually practice law don't think he has much of a case. So he decided not to. Um, I don't know, but um, I can't see a lawsuit being good for either party. I don't either. Like, I like he's a really nice guy. I talked to him at the invitation. I, I met him, I believe. And like, I'd love to have him on the show. Like, if he I would love to, to have him messages. on the show. But uh, he's going through a lot right now, so I don't blame him. But uh, speaking of bannings, Wild McCoddle, how about that card? And Punishing Fire and I understand Punishing Fire because it is kind of stifling. No so wait, play wait, on word. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you understand Punishing Fire, but not Wild Nakato? Man, Wild Nakato is... kind of the other way around. All right. Me. Wild Nakato is one turn too fast for Modern. Break that argument first. I'll let Caleb go ahead and try to break that. But there's nothing to be broken. Like, it's... I'm in agreement too about... Too fast for Modern. I'm in agreement for this. I'm okay. not trying to argue with you. They're either. trying to choke out green as just this dominant color and zoo this dominant deck. Well, let, let's just get the actual good players' advice. Okay, go, one of us are go ahead, good Caleb. Players. Tell us why they banned Wild McCoddle. Um, I think they banned Wild McCoddle largely because Patrick Chapin mentioned it and a lot of people started talking about it. And a lot of intelligent people agreed with his points. Um, I think Wizards has been doing a really good job of listening to the, the, the player community as far as recent bannings goes. Oh, do you um, do you agree there, with McConnell? Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, I haven't played that much modern. I from like my background in Legacy, I think Wild McConnell is fine. I think Punishing Fire is fine. Um, although like Punishing Fire leads to some pretty miserable games. I don't think anyone's like sad to see Punishing Fire go. Right. It just uh, turns into end of turn one you one you one you. All right, my turn. Yeah, yeah. Go. I think. Uh, like I, uh, I'm not upset that they that they banned Wild McCoddle. If I was in their position, I would not have. Uh, overall, I'm much more happy to play like say a Noble Hierarch on turn one than a one mana three three. It's just the type of magic that I enjoy playing. Right. Did you uh Did you play at Worlds? I did not. I was not queued for that tournament. Okay. Well, um, if you didn't know, which a lot of the listeners might not know, in the modern portion of Worlds, uh, the blue zoo decks, the uh. Countercat deck. I believe Caleb played a blue blue zoo deck in Legacy. I did. And I was I like, I'm some so races that. with my Nicodles. I wanted to build that deck well, so see, bad. The modern version <laughs> of it was everywhere. That deck was uh, a blast to play and a blast to win with. I I I, I won some some very impossible magic uh, matches in that tournament. Like I managed to beat Belcher with Blue Zoo. And I managed to beat a Lands dot deck. Going through that tournament, it was uh, it was pretty insane. Didn't you? Oh, do I have time for a story real quick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got plenty of time. Okay, okay. Uh, this is this is one of my favorite matches of all time. I'm, I'm playing uh, 
Uzu against lands, and my only real disruption is a, in the main deck is a couple of mental missteps. Everything else is built to handle creatures. Wait, were you playing against uh, Adam Kai? Uh, no, Adam oh, okay. Kai was not playing lands in this tournament. Okay. Um, anyway, it was like round three or four, and uh, my um, round one, I just get crushed. Like, he's like, Zurin Orb, like, from the loam, you're dead. I was like, oh, jeez, how am I going to win this? I need to resolve a Jace or something. Game two, I stick a turn two Aven Mind Sensor. And his hand, uh, his hand was like intuition, double Talarian, Talarian <laughs> like, so he just has to like blind search and try and hit Zurin Orb and fails and dies. <laughs> and so, uh, so my two of sideboard card wins me game two. And uh, in this sideboarding, I, I was actually I was like pulling my bolts and my uh, swords to plowshares. And when I was trying to cut my swords to plowshares, um, uh, there was actually like one slot remaining. So I was like, well, I guess submerge is better than than swords to plowshares here, right? Like, because maybe it's free, I guess I'll run this. Anyway, in game three, I've got four lands in play. My opponent has only non-basics, and uh, I draw Submerge for my turn, and I'm staring down, and he's, he has the the 3-3 Trampler Man land and a Light from the Loam, and so if he trades with my Nicotl after I attack in, I'll get some damage through, but then he'll rebuy it and, like, be able to stabilize. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is just awful. But if I, like, don't attack, then he starts loaming anyway, and I, I, I still lose. So I'm like, well, I guess I forced some damage through. So I tap my guys sideways. Like, like, why is this awful submerging my deck? This should be a Swords to Plowshares. And he looks down at the board state, and he decides that he like he's going to trade his 3-3 uh, his three, three for my Nakatl, but he wants to get extra value out of his life from the loam. So he ghost quarters himself and gets a forest, which lets me like and that and that just like blows him out and lets me win. I just remember him staring down at the submerge going like, Wow, you really have the sideboard for me, huh, don't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. But you got the forest. <laughs> that is bad beat dot story right there. <laughs> My miser submerge, yes. <laughs> yeah, I I totally had Caleb Durward nailed to the cross and you know, I just decided to ghost quarter myself. Oh, brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Really brutal. But, uh, yeah, that deck was, when I was watching you play it, I was like, holy shit, I want to play this deck. I can turn dude sideways and counter, like, the first two or three plays. I'm right. in. Well, see, the, the modern version, like, it just runs Bant Charm as the blue spell, maybe Snapcaster. And this deck was literally 70 to 80% of the field in modern for for Worlds. I've the never seen a deck equal that much of a field. It it actually was like That's the last twenty percent were just random counter uh, con, uh, combo decks. There we go. Like there was like maybe two counter uh, control decks in there because they knew they couldn't deal with uh, Zoo, and the combo Gifts, decks could barely uh, outrace Zoo. The gift deck for Unburial right that you can uh, play Gifts Ungiven and find like Unburial rights plus Elishnorn. And then they have to put the Unburial Rites and the Elishnorn in your graveyard, and right. then you just, like, bring it back. Seems really good against Zoo, but I don't know. I guess you lose to a, a path effect, but... Um, I think that the, the modern format is, is mostly just, like, it hasn't been played a whole ton. Like, right now, with Standard and Legacy, there's this all these open tournaments, so, like, the, the format develops at a very fast pace. Whereas right now, we haven't even had a PTQ season with Modern yet. So there's no way for the format to really develop. So I didn't think it was much of a surprise that a lot of people were jamming Blue Zoo because that did so well at the last Modern uh, Pro Tour. Um, and now the Nikotl in Punishing Fire are banned. Like, it'll shake the format up. Like, that's what Wizards wants to do. They want to make sure that this is 
um, a fun format. So they're going to be uh, they're going to emphasize banning over letting things be be around. Yeah, I, I just want them to keep banning things until Warp World's viable again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's, it's not going to take much more. Like they, think... they just have to ban Mana Leak, and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> ban Mana Leak, I win. Which I oh. just don't think that with – and this is just going to sound the craziest. With Jace and or Middle Misstep not in the format, I don't think the control can – it just doesn't have any free counterspells that it needs – to be able to win the war, I, if you I, know what I mean. I don't think the aggro decks are going to have enough anymore to really... You're, you're crazy. The five-color control is actually going to be a deck again. I I don't know, and like Caleb said, there's not enough people playing modern for anyone to get a real well, idea of what, what anyone's been playing. That's why we have to wait until, uh-oh, next month, because <laughs> that's when the PTQ season starts for modern. Okay. And well, I'm going to a PTQ with Warp World, and you're going to win. And when I win, I'm going to have a WWE belt made that says <laughs> PTQ winner on it. And I'm just going to walk around with that thing all just, <laughs> And then you wake up, and you're like, holy shit, what a terrible dream. Uh, okay, so I'm tired of talking about modern. Okay. I want to talk about Star City Games Atlanta. Are you going to be attending this, Caleb? Uh, unless they decide me to book me as a commentator, uh, I will not be, I don't think. Damn it, I've got to get Evan on the phone. Evan? I don't, somebody on the phone to get him booked, so I don't uh, I, I mean, I am going to be, uh, commentating next season, but I, I don't know what for what dates yet. Okay. okay. Now, so, so, I'm so confused. I, what, what, what is your role at Channel Fireball? Are you just a writer for them? Uh, I am a writer, yeah. Okay, so you're not part of any kind of testing team or anything crazy like that. No, I um, if I test with people from there, it's individually. Like I don't, um, I haven't played. Like I said, I haven't played on many pro tours, so it's not like I get together with them before every event or whatnot. It's not like you have like LSV on speed dial or something. He probably does, but that'd be cool. Well, L- LSV is my my editor, so I work with him fairly closely. It's like just hit like six five four like LSV. Uh, recently, um, I started doing a, a video series with Adam Barnello, and LSV actually like just said, "I'll lend you whatever cards you need." So because I think like a legacy video series would be awesome, and I want to see this, uh, I want to see this happen. So he's oh. been a pretty awesome boss for sure. I like old Adam. He's he's a really cool guy. He knows his shit. Yes, he he's a he's a terrific writer too. And so wh- when is this going to be starting, do you know? Uh, well, we already recorded the first video segment, which was uh, Blue White Stoneforge versus Saks, um, and that'll go up. It, it's our first time. I think we made, like, uh, one goof where, like, there was a batter skull and a sort of feast and famine attached to a germ, and he wanted to prevent um, uh, the damage from happening, so we tried returning the batter skull to his hand, but the sort of feast and famine was still equipped, so it's still a 2-2 germ, and... Uh, and I F6, made an awkward F6, so, like, we're we're, we're we're both fairly new to it, but there's still, like, a lot to be learned from that segment. And we're going to be recording the next section uh, this weekend, actually, which will be the green-black deck that we were talking about earlier against uh, a rug control deck, which should be a lot of fun. Um, I really like playing the a Cabal Therapy deck against a control deck because you get uh, – it's all about – you have a lot of time to tell, like, what cards are in their hand. And then I also get to show people how to, like, grind down a Jace, which is one of the most rewarding feelings in Magic, is them sticking, like, a an early Jace, and then you're just being like, all right, I'll just uh, slowly kill you anyway. 
Right. Yeah, I've I've had my fun killing Jaces. Like, it's such a brutal thing. They land the Jace and you're just like, I, I gotta I, get rid of this motherfucker. I can't wait to cast my first one. Bolt, bolt, done. I've, See I've, ya. I'm looking forward to Star City Atlanta because this is gonna be my first time, or all right, my second time ever playing with Jace the Mind Sculptor. Really? Oh, yes. Man. The uh, the first time was actually when it was in standard. Uh, I played an infinite combo deck. It was, it was Turbo Fog with uh, Coney Jim, uh, the the little architect's guy that un- untaps the artifact. For it's infinite mana. You cast Emrakul and then bounce it with Jace and then cast it again. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I got all the turns. But anyway, that was the first time, and now I'm actually playing a good deck with him. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. You're playing Stoneblade and you're playing, I'm playing Todd Anderson's Todd's list. Todd's list, Mana Leak and all. Like, like a lot of people play uh, um, Days in that spot, and I just really like Mana Leak. Mana Leak is one in a blue counterspell most of the time. It's very rare that is, they'll they'll have the I mean, mana to pay. Your deck's running Wasteland, right? So I mean. You're, they're not going to have the lands that they want most of the time. So. And I have so many threats that they have to tap mana to take care of my threats, which is going to leave me up with uh, mana leak. I'm if I if I go to Atlanta and I do have the four underground seas that I that I need to play, I'm going to be playing blue white wizards or uh, blue black wizards. That's such a bad day. But I like it. <laughs> I did. All right. Uh, speaking of which. Last uh, last week we talked about how good Darkblast was. I tried it out. I made Esper Stoneblade, just like we talked about. Yeah. And I couldn't cram all the cards I wanted into it, so I had to end up cutting Dark Confidant. But I, I was running the Darkblast, and they were doing okay. They weren't doing good because with all I made the comment that Dark Blast is the best removal in the format really good, right now. But not in this kind of deck. Like I would actually like to see it in the, the Green Black Explorer list because Oh uh, no 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 way. It kills all these X ones. No 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 see the, the You know what else kills a lot of X ones? Pernicious Deed. Yeah, uh, it yeah, does. You, you blow up Pernicious Deed and then if you have a removal spell in your deck, you want it to like kill their Knight of the Reliquary that they cast post deed or whatever. Yeah, that was the that was the actually the straw that broke the camel's back there was uh play played against Zoo and it was like I got this dark blast and they have all those X threes. Yeah. yeah. This I mean, is that's, an awful, awful card right now. Yeah, it is, but like you're playing against Zoo. Yeah. Sure. Dark Blast is ideal against goblins, uh, a green sun zenith deck with noble hierarchs and, and dryad arbor. Um, the rug tempo like deck in a grindy uh, dark confident mirror, like just always being able to kill their dark confident is really good. Uh, it, it's not really good outside of those matchups. So the uh, the rug tempo deck it actually kills everything they have, but I think that deck's actually falling out of favor again. Well, it kills everything that the uh, blue red deck that we did last week, the Andrew Strout or Strout. Strout. Shrouts deck, it kills literally everything in his but deck. But he's just going to kill you with Price of Progress, so it doesn't matter. Sure. I'm going to counter that Price to Progress. Good job. He's going to Snapcaster it. Huh? He's going to Snapcaster it. I'm going to Snapcaster I'm going to oh Snapcaster Oh, God. There's just two Inception. I'm going to Inception. Snapcaster within a Snapcaster within a Snapcaster. <laughs> but, um, And then I woke up. Well, cast Mind Slaver. 
But yeah, I mean, what what would you recommend as far as legacy for Atlanta? Knowing the oh, metagame. I still right like now. my black green deck, and I still like specs. Um, oh, you mentioned Todd Anderson's counterbalance list earlier. I had a, uh, a sweet tournament in St. Louis where I, I, uh, I ended up playing mono-white stacks against him. And just every time I cast him, Armageddon, he just, like, threw up his hands, and he was like, well, yep. can't beat that card. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, and two of his losses in that tournament, uh, like one of his other losses, was to Zach Strait, who is a, a buddy of mine that I I given list to, um, and, and he ended up top sixteen, top sixteen of the deck. But it was just funny that like Todd Anderson lost to the same like mono weapon stack stack twice in the same tournament when there's like nobody playing this deck at all. And, yeah. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad beats. <laughs> yeah, it's like Drew Evan. Uh, commented after we we got done with our game, he was vis- visibly uh, annoyed that he just had to play <laughs> this mud, and he's like, "I've never played against the red and blue mud before," and uh, yeah, you thirst for knowledge on turn three with a goblin welder out, and you got a worm coal engine out of it. <laughs> I don't think I can beat that. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah, he wouldn't die. The, the, I, I 2 0 him, but game two, I ended the game with 72 life because he kept <laughs> finding answers. Uh, but you're never going to find an answer to like, kill uh, other than, like, uh, throw a game draw. He he actually got batter skull and just kept, had enough mana just to keep, like, throwing out the germ. But I finally just, I ended it. I uh. was stuck in the knife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our deck of the week. Uh, we, we do have a deck of the week this week, and it is Caleb Durwards, our esteemed guest here. It's his take on The Rock, I guess, with uh, Explorer. Veteran Explorer. Veteran Explorer. Uh, as the uh, And Caleb and I discussed this uh, right after we recorded last week, because you and I did not know what this deck did. It's like, why is Veteran Explorer <laughs> even in here? I mean, that just helps your opponent way too much. Uh, and then I, I got on Facebook and started talking to Caleb about it. Caleb, uh, you care to explain why Veteran Explorer is in here and what he actually does? Oh, sure. Veteran Explorer is a, a pretty strong card right now. Basically, it's a one-mana, one-one. When it dies, both players have the option of searching for two basic land cards and putting them into play untapped. So unlike Howling Mine, where both players get the ability, but the opponent gets it first, you get to use the untapped mana first so long as you kill the Veteran Explorer on your turn. So then you can use that mana to cast a him to Turok or, like, uh, another Cabal Therapy and just shred their hand. So they have two extra lands, sure, but they can't do much with it. Another way of taking advantage of the extra lands is by having a higher curve than is uh, typical in Legacy. Like, there's a lot of uh, aggressive mana denial strategies in Legacy. Like, people are running four Wastelands, and they're Wastelanding and stifling each other and whatnot. So people's curves tend to be lower because of that. Like, most people will pop out at Jace, for example, uh, at the top of their curve. Well, if they're casting a Jace, then you're, uh, and you're casting like a Grave Titan or a Green Sun Zenith for a deranged tournament, like you are going to win that game um, simply because your, your cards are more powerful uh, and their decks aren't designed to deal with those threats. I want to play this deck. <laughs> a, a lot of the people don't even have two basics to fetch out. That's just the best feeling ever. When, when they're like, they fetch their only basics so they don't get wastelanded, and you're like, all right, we'll search for two basics so they don't touch their deck. You're just like, oh, yeah. yeah I, 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 <laughs> we got this one, boys. <laughs> I, I faced a, uh, I, I, I put this deck on workstation facing its affinity and blocked their Memni with a, 
uh, cranial plating on it with a veteran explorer, and they're just like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, I'll go get two. I'll take the shuffle. I'll, I'll go get two lands. <laughs> I'm going to uh, pernicious deed next turn. I win because you have nothing left. Ugh. But, uh, how, all right, let me ask you two questions, okay? Just two. Uh, how ridiculous is Liliana the Veil in Legacy? Because I, I have these like dreams at night where I'm like, oh, God, this card would just demolish some decks. And when Great Titan sticks, does like it, is it usually like people scoop up? Because it seems like six drops in any format. Swords, spe- Swords and Jace is the only answer to Great Titan. So pretty much, Jace, yeah. Jace is not really an answer to yeah. Great Titan. It's no, a no, bad answer, it still puts an out you know four damage on the board, which is huge right. in Legacy. Which, you, which and then you play Grave Titan again. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure. Deal. Because you eternal witness your grave titan and play so Jace Bounce and the tokens, duh. Okay, so <laughs> why didn't we think of that? <laughs> okay, Liliana. Uh, what was the first question? Liliana. Liliana is amazing. Uh, it's particularly good in the in the current field. Like, uh, I actually like it uh, a lot better than Jace right now. Um, just the decks that it supports uh, are stronger in the current metagame, and then it's also really good against the Jace decks because they're only going to have a few counters in hand. They're, they're designed to have like. Uh, a Goyfin play, a Jace to generate card advantage, and then like a Force of Will in hand. And so when you play a Liliana, you can attack any of those fronts because they don't have like a, a critical mass of creatures, they don't have a critical mass of cards in hand. Um, so when you can like eat away at those resources, it makes it very a lot easier to like attack the Jace um, and get it off the board. So grinding out a, a Jace with Liliana is, is a very real thing. And um, and yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. It's a lot. It's a, a major reason why um, my black green rock deck and Reed Duke's Pox list were able to do well um, in the Star City Invitational because if they play a Stoneforge Mystic and you play a Liliana, like you're probably winning that fight. Yeah, I, I can see how. I mean, you, you just take him to the house with yeah. him to Turox and Cabal Therapy and just ugh. Like <laughs> speaking of. Of him Turok. Like, I really love that card. And, uh... Him to who? I'm kidding. I don't know who Turok is, but he sounds like a swell fellow. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> he... <laughs> but, uh, I actually... I, again, I, I made this list on Workstation and was playing around with it. And I wanted to share a story because I thought this was absolutely hilarious. I'm buying hilarious. the cards I don't have for this deck. This, I'm sorry, Caleb. I was I'm playing it. against... Uh, this game one, I'm on the draw... And he goes, uh, Volcanic Island, go. And I'm like, what? Is this rug? Whatever. And I'm like, Bayou, go. And uh, he goes, like, land, uh, desperate ritual, seething song, uh, sneak attack, and activate. Blight steal, swing. And I'm like, dismember. <laughs> next turn. I've done this before. <laughs> next turn, swamp him. You discard Emrakul and Ulamog. I win. He had no hand, and I had a Tarmogoyf the next turn. Ugh. And I just killed him <laughs> before he could draw anything else. Yeah, that seems funny. I'm like, I just... Okay, turn two that was a sick, sick play. What's the sickest also, play you've done I've with also this beat, I've also beaten that exact same deck when they went show and tell, and they put in a Blightsteel, and I put in a Grave Titan, and then I just raced their Blightsteel. It was right. kind of funny. Uh, plus, like... It must be a really good feeling when they go show and tell, and they they drop light still, and you drop something, and then next turn you play Liliana and make them sack a creature. 
It's like, oh yeah, yeah that's that, that hasn't happened, but that would, that would be sweet. That would be so good. So, so what's your sickest play that you've done with this deck so far? Like, just the one that just blew your opponent's mind. They were just like, what the uh, fuck just happened to me? Every time you cast a Cabal Therapy is the sickest ever, because... People in Legacy are dying to show you their hand. They're they're like flipping for Delver. They're like, look at this card in my hand. Or they're like casting Stoneport oh, Mystic. Like, I wonder what my Cabal Therapy's naming. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, yeah. and you and like Batter Skull isn't really an issue because you can blow up the board for five. And they're like, all right, return my Batter Skull. And you're like, all right, uh, Cabal Therapy. You like? <laughs> mm, this deck looks so sick. I I skimmed over it when it when I saw it in the top eight, right. and I didn't really realize how sick it is. Uh, one of the, the, the god hands with this that I've found is like going Bayou, Veteran Explorer, go next turn, play your second land, uh, Cabal Therapy, name something, and then flashback the Cabal Therapy, second the Veteran Explorer, go get two lands, Green Sun for Tarmogoyf. Yeah, you can green. Well, I don't run Tarmogoyf. I think Scavenging Ooze is a much better card, especially when you're, when you're putting a pile of uh, lands into play. It just like makes the ability much much better because you just have a ton of mana to use at all times. Right, and it counters Tarmogoyf. Scavenging Ears does. Yeah. Yep. Counters Tarmogoyf. Counters Night of the Reliquary. Counters Grim Lava Mancer. Counters Reanimator. Counters Dredge. Uh, oh, and uh, Snapcaster Mage. Does anyone play Snapcaster Mage in Legacy? Because it counters. I don't that think that's too. a card. Is that a card? <laughs> what What are you targeting with that Snapcaster Mage? Nobody plays Islands. Are you Are you on crack? I think I think I saw that. Oh, I can do that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like, the the thing about Ooze is I, I had to read it because apparently I forgot it gives plus one, plus one counters to when it, oh, when yeah. it's a creature. I knew it gained oh, yeah. life. I forgot it got you plus get, one, plus one What do you get, counters. like, a 6-6 six, six, one of these, and they're like, well, shit, I got no graveyard for my Snapcaster. Uh, see ya. Yeah, yeah. I beat a burn player in the Invitational by ticking up Liliana so that I could, like, discard Dryad Arbor and other creatures and then remove them with the scavenging Ooze. But he was, like, modern, like, he had, like, two creatures in his deck, you know? So, like, to feed my ooze, I had to get my own creatures in the air. So most of the match was me figuring out how to do that. Right. <laughs> that's that's slightly <laughs> annoying and, uh, way to win. Like, they're yeah. like, fuck, I should have burned that scavenging ooze out when I had the chance. <laughs> well, you uh, fetch it out last. Oh, the, uh, the pernicious deed in this deck has been one of your favorite cards, right? Oh, definitely. It's uh, one of the main reasons to run it. Um, Pernicious Steed is really well uh, positioned at the moment, um, especially in this archetype. When, when, like I said, you can nuke the board for five to hit Batter Skull. Like, I, I've even hit Tombstalker before with Pernicious Steed. That's insane. Although I have yet to hit a Progenitus. That's, uh, that'll be... <laughs> Tap I'll 11, be kaboom. <laughs> 11. Do we have 11 lands? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, all right. I think... Yeah. Ten, right? Ten lands. Ten, ten lands, but the Fire X and Tower makes two. Boom. Okay. <laughs> That's eleven. But, uh... Okay. Did, did you, you, only, you only need ten, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking green sand. I hate when that deeds, out, that deeds out, and you're looking at your hand, you're like, I can't play shit! Did, did, you, <laughs> did you play against Owen Turtonwald during the Invitational? I did not. Uh, oh, I don't that, think Owen made day two, so I didn't really have a chance to... Uh, uh, he did well in the the legacy fortune on the second day though. Yeah, he uh, he came in ninth place in the open. But if yep. you would have faced him with Deed, he's playing Affinity. Deed uh, is think... the bane of Affinity. Oh yeah, goodbye. But uh, so so this side. Oh, you've, uh, 
You mentioned uh, god draws with this deck, and I think the the main god draw is actually Explorer. Um, what I consider the god draw is Explorer, the Tower, and then Grave Titan, because you can put a Grave Titan out on turn three with that, wow. which is insane. It just feels amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I I would run more towers, but the thing's legendary. So like sometimes you're sitting there with five land, and then Heck if you draw can... like a second legendary land, you can't actually cast the Grave Titan. So you can actually go turn two deranged tournament, right? Yeah, you can go turn two deranged tournament. A lot of people that run a deck play Papa Garrick, the five mana Garrick, um, so that they can possibly drop him turn two. But um, I really don't like that card in this deck. I, I tested him a lot. I was never really happy to draw him. He was he was always win more when he won, and he was always do nothing when he lost. So I'd actually like to see um, Garrick Relentless in this deck a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure about that either. Like uh, four mana is a lot for the legacy. Um, like Liliana is just better most of the time. Right. You're gonna be sitting there with that four mana in your hand. You're gonna be going, "Holy shit, I'm dead." <laughs> yeah. Sweet, I can make a two-two. Oh wait, I don't. I don't actually. You're care. swinging at me with what a fifteen, fifteen. <laughs> But uh, anything in the sideboard you changed for Atlanta that you didn't feel was adequate enough to handle, like like just stuff that you you after the game after you know the tournament was over you're like man I really wish this wasn't in my sideboard. Um, well Nile Spellbomb overperformed. I'd go up to two or three of those. Um, it's a it's a useful card to bring in again in Snapcaster decks. I I really like Nile Spellbomb a lot. Um. But uh, but other and like I said, I'd move the Liliana to the main deck because it also overperformed. But uh, most of the board is devoted to fighting the unfair decks. The main deck destroys connects and it destroys aggro decks, and so you you really don't need to devote many sideboard slots uh, to those matchups. Uh, like I like the odd um, damnation just because it's like a, it's like another sweeper. Maybe you could find its way into the main deck. I don't know. But it it's been good for me as, as like as a one of, um, but for the most part like like the uh, mind break traps and the the graveyard hate like I didn't bring them in at all because I didn't play against storm or graveyard decks. Uh, I think they should be a part of the board, or I think they should be. Um, let me rephrase. I think you should have roughly ten to twelve cards in your sideboard devoted towards whatever unfair deck you expect to see that weekend. Because the main deck is not equipped to handle unfair decks. It's equipped to beat the other fair decks. Right. The uh, the one thing I did change about your sideboard when I played it was instead of having... Because you have six uh, ways of dealing with graveyard stuff in your sideboard as well as the two Ooze's main deck. Uh, I just I cut all those and replaced them with four Leyline of the Void. And then I had two of something else that also helped that, that, those kind of matchups. And then... Um, the mind break traps I kept the same and everything else I did. It was just I, I really like Leyline in the deck for some reason. You sure, that sounds reasonable. I actually used to run uh, Leylines and then uh, Helm of Obedience in the board, so Ooh, I could like spicy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sign um, to a combo. What is this? Oh wait. Yeah, people would just like not see it coming. Uh, but it was usually like a mana too slow though, so I eventually cut it. But uh, uh, something I didn't like about the Leylines is that you had to mull to try and find them. And so you couldn't, like, keep a reasonable hand against Reanimator that was, like, uh, like double Cabal Therapy scavenging ooze on the play. Um, now you don't have your ley line, so if they have, like, a Thoughtseize for your scavenging ooze, um, 
then you just lose the game. Whereas, like, with, uh, like, Tormod scripts or something, if they handle the scavenging goose and then you rip a crypt off the top, like, you're in good shape. Right. Um, I had one Swiggy where I was since Dredge, and I actually mulled to one card. I mulled to Verdant Catacombs in game three, and I was like, well, I mean, it's better than zero, right? <laughs> and I beat him. It was insane. He, uh, he started with a breakthrough and ditched a bunch of dredgers, and I eventually drew a couple land. It's a green stuff. I just green stuns for scavenging ooze, and uh, he reanimated an Iona, and my ooze just raced him because wow. I, I ate his whole graveyard. Ugh. Nom, 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 yeah, nom, he can't nom. remove it unless his uh, angel of despair hits it. On a before, my opponent looked like he wanted to kill himself. <laughs> so you said you – did I hear you say you – Put another Liliana in the main board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cut a Wall of Blossoms and a, a, um, and a Hymnotrach for a Liliana and a Skeletal Scrying. A Skeletal Scrying is a very, very... You did not board. like Wall of Blossoms in the deck? Uh, well, Wall of Blossoms is in my sideboard at the moment. It's a, it's a perfectly good card, but the two... And as is the Hymnotrach, like, they're both good cards, but the cards that I'm adding are uber insane. So, like, I'm increasing the general power level of the deck with that switch. So you cut a him for a skeletal scrying? Is that what he said? Cut a him for a Liliana. Yeah, a him for a Liliana. Cut both for scrying. skeletal scrying. And wall of blossoms for skeletal scrying because skeletal scrying draws more cards. Okay. I, I mean, I like the change. Like, I love skeletal scrying. The card is really good. Kitchen Finks just as a one-up seems so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has another one on the sideboard, too. For, uh, it's just, another one that just like works well with Cabal Therapy, and you can tutor for it. And right, yeah. Stem the bleeding. Yeah. Step well, one, do not die. Step two, win the game. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that just about wraps up this episode of the Scoop Phase. We don't do – I'm sure you've heard a few other uh, podcasts. They do uh, – Shout outs. Shout outs. We, we, that, that's, for, that's for dogs. Shout out to the dogs. <laughs> we do we do big ups. We do big ups. We do big ups, and we usually let our guest go first. Uh, we just basically just a shout out with a different name. We jazzed it up. We we uh, we really really appreciate you coming on the cast, man. Learned a lot, uh, had a lot of laughs, and had my mind blown a few times. So, just was great to have you on here. If you have any I, big ups you want to shout out or give, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> big ups. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'd, I'd like to thank you guys for yelling. I had some fun. Um, that's uh, that's about it. Uh, I, I want to go ahead and plug you because uh, again, the uh, Adam is it Bornello. Yeah. Uh, the, y'all need to check out the Adam Bornello and Caleb Gerward Legacy videos over on Channel yep, Fireball. Those, those those will be up on Channel Fireball fairly soon, I think, within the next week or two. Right. And so then uh, we should be trying to make a new set every week, so that'll be a regular thing. Very Hopefully, nice. try and get a good following. Should be interesting. Uh, I know I'll be watching it. Do you have a Twitter, Caleb? I do have a Twitter. It's at uh, Caleb D M T G. Caleb D M T G. All right. Okay. I'm gonna have to give some big ups to uh, Eric Klug of Klug Alters uh, for I commissioned a Christmas present for Day Day, which I just gave to him today. And it's a, uh, it is a, what is this land called? Rashadden Port with uh, Evan Irwin on it saying, tapping your land so you don't have to. <laughs> and uh, Evan was very thrilled when he saw it, and I'm very thrilled as well because 
This is the best quality of work I've ever seen. This guy it, painted this with a paintbrush. It's pretty sick. <laughs> like all the shading. And it says, like, look at his eyes. You can see reflections. It looks like Evan Irwin. It, it's Evan Irwin. And it, it's amazing. It was definitely worth it. It was an idea. I'm altering out an entire deck. It's just going to be my fun deck that I play. It's uh, the Mask deck. I pretty much have the whole thing built. And uh, I was like, man, i got to get the Rashad and Ports because getting these bad boys foiled out at 250 a pop is out fucking – or actually, they're not that much uh, non-Japanese. They're, they're up there. They're like 150, which is fucking nuts. I was like, I'm just going to get them altered to have Evan Irwin <laughs> saying – Tapping the land so you don't have to. So, but, uh, yeah, like, I thought, like, man, 70 bucks for an altar is going to be insane. And then, like, I, I saw it, and I'm like, yeah, it was definitely worth it. So, big ups to, uh, to Eric. Whoa, what is easy. Oh, the, the our microphone's sitting on our keyboard. No wonder. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, that's, that's, that's my be. big ups. My big ups are to Caleb for get, coming on here uh, on a third – Thursday night before Christmas. Uh, hopefully, we can get the cast up so someone can, uh, some people can listen to it before the uh, Christmas thing, before everybody zones out and eats all the ham and stuff. Exactly. So, uh, we've got one last announcement to make before we go. Is uh, if you are going to be at uh, Star City Games Atlanta, for any listeners out there, uh, hit me up. Just come find me. I'm gonna have some scoop face stickers. So <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be handing them out. I'm gonna see your shitty stickers you printed out. Hey, I don't care. They're free. <laughs> you know what? I, I spent a grand total of zero monies on these stickers, well, and they're, they're they actually look kind of decent. Well, all right, man. Well, uh, we're gonna end the show here. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Caleb. And uh, hope you have a merry Christmas and a happy New Year and a happy New Year and a happy Hanukkah. Feliz Navidad. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>